and welcome to our first Living With podcast, where we will be addressing many topics of concern surrounding a cancer diagnosis. Along with up-to-date information and expert input, we hope to open the conversation around living with cancer. Hi everyone, so today I'm joined by Danielle Freith, who is our psychological support lead here at the Fountain Centre. Hello Danielle. Hello, nice to see you. You too. Uh, So today we are going to talk about mental health. Now May is Mental Health Awareness Month and I'm sure we can all agree a diagnosis of cancer puts an immense pressure on mental health, both for the patient and also their loved ones. Now Danny, can you start just by telling us what do the words mental health actually mean? What is the definition of mental health? I guess in a nutshell, mental health means uh, lots of things to, to, to different people. But for me and for working here in this environment, mental health is about not only your um, how you feel physically, how you feel mentally, how you feel emotionally, it kind of encompasses all of those three things. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit about that later in how the Fountain Centre supports people mentally, physically and emotionally. Um, so it's mental health, it, it's how we're feeling, how we self-care, um, how we look after ourselves and how our mental health can impact on our whole being. With regards to the fountain centre, Danny, with we have obviously our patients coming to us, their mental health issues. Do you see a pattern around those issues, uh, the things that people struggle with from a mental health perspective in, in oncology? Yeah, I, th- I think um, this setting's quite different um, in terms of its. Um, in some sessions I've worked in outside of uh, the Fountain Centre where we work with, with cancer oncology all the time, it's not all about anxiety or depression or those mental health, you know, OCD, those kind of things. What I tend to find um, within the Fountain Centre is people come in like rabbit in the headlights, Maria, and they've just been given a shock diagnosis. And a lot of it is is shock, is fear, is is the unknown those kind of things. And so there does feel like there are lots of themes. So I couldn't pinpoint just one and say it's all down to that. But I feel like you probably see it all the time as well in what you do, um, is that it, it is the shock and the fear and what do we do now? And, you know, it's not just about the person who's had the diagnosis, but it affects the families and the children and, and, and the loved ones and everybody else. So it's kind of how we are here to kind of support uh, those people throughout their mental health, their physical health, the whole kind of thing, really. And identifying mental health, so for people to identify that they are struggling with their mental health, uh, obviously we talk about it more, yeah. and so thank that's which is a great thing, which is an amazing thing. But um, do you think there's still that bit of stigma? And what if people are hesitant to talk? Why do you think the reasons are that people are hesitant to talk about their mental health? So for me, Marie, this is this is what I personally feel. I think that word mental, the word mental health, yeah. um, can can have that kind of stigma. And and I feel like even like myself and what I do in my job, is the word counselor. Um, it's almost like, and I and I hear it so so many times in my day to day work is, oh, you know, if I've got mental health problems, it means I'm weak. Oh, if I go and see a counselor, it means I'm not strong, or it means that there's something wrong with me. Um, so so the definition alone, the word on in its own, mental health, I think creates a stigma, without even kind of adding anything else to it, almost. And it, and it also, I think, my opinion creates a. Uh... A bigger issue in a person however a person might be feeling if you attach that word mental health 
some people think oh well that's a massive thing that means I you know I can't go to work I can't do my job I I you know and also with with patients that a lot of them feel if they're struggling with mental health well that's they're just that they're not coping with their treatment or with what's happening to them and we all have mental health I say to my clients every day um we all on a day-to-day basis feel anxious we may feel low we may feel whatever those mental health kind of brackets or whatever they are but it doesn't mean to say that we're weak or it doesn't mean to say that we can't cope like you've just said it's it's a normal I don't like the word normal but it it is it's 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 what people go through and certainly when you have been given a diagnosis it's okay to feel like you're struggling with your mental health because actually you've just been given this devastating news and you're kind of like, so what do I do with it now? And it is, it's a physical, mental and emotional how it, how it acts out, I think, definitely. And so going forward with mental, if you are struggling, people are struggling, what are the kinds of things that we can do to help ourselves? Uh, do, we, do we all need to go to therapy? Do we all need, yeah, yeah. You know, do we all need to invest on a, in a six-week yoga course? What, do, what can we do to help ourselves? Because I think that's really important for people is empowering themselves to, to help. Completely. I totally agree. And I think, you know, what you've just said there, do we all need to go to therapy? Is it yoga? And, and you know, what I would say really honestly is not one size fits all. So people, and, and you do, again, Marie, you, you see it as much as I do, is people come into the Fountain Centre um, and they think that they, okay, I need counselling because they feel like they need to talk to someone, which is great. And, and, and we, we can offer that service as well. But equally, that self-care it could be about talking, but it could be like you've just said, it could be about some yoga, some reflexology, some Reiki. It's the whole kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think counselling is fantastic and the psychological support that we offer is brilliant. But holistically, in terms of it's not just all about talking, it might you might not be into that. So actually come and do some yoga, come and have some reflexology or acupuncture or whatever it is. Um, and it's about allowing yourself, I think. It's about really going... Do you know what? I'm going to take an hour and a half for me today and I'm going to go to the fountain centre and have a therapy or I'm going to go have a coffee with one of my friends and just or sit and read a book. That's my big thing. I sit and read a book on my sofa and that's I love it. I'm in my little world escapism and allowing yourself to do it because that's okay. And I think that is exactly it. It's giving yourself permission. Honestly, absolutely. And and I think what we find is um is that people get the diagnosis and they think they need to continue on that, you know, 100 miles an hour, but they can't always. And so they struggle with that because they can't be like what they used to be. And I say to people all the time, it's temporary. This isn't forever. And you will come through the other side, but actually allow yourself to just be where you are for this moment. And you will come through the other side by, you know, caring for yourself and allowing yourself to do those really nice little things. And expressions of emotion, I think, are seen, are felt like as a weakness, as in if you cry, you can't cry. And, and actually, you know, for a lot of our of our patients, it's because they, they don't want to upset, you know, their families, their kids, their other halves. So they, 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 they don't want to be this, the, the emotion to come out in that manner. But sometimes you need to get these things out. I mean, that's that's not always a good thing to keep these things in. It's the word when you were talking, then I was just thinking of the word burden. Every, you know, so many people say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to cry um, because I don't want to be a burden on my husband or, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell my family because they're going through it as well. And, and I get that and we totally appreciate that. But actually, I say to people, 
you know, what would it be like if you did cry? And and how would you, and at least then it gives the lost ones or the husbands or whatever, the wives to understand where the person's coming from um, so they can help and support, I guess. Um, but it's not weak to show emotions. I have a good cry every now and again, and it's okay. I was with someone in the cabin the other day and they, it was a couple of kids actually, and they're really angry at the moment. And that's okay. They're allowed to be angry. And why wouldn't they be angry? Not at the person who's got the cancer, but at the fact that, they're angry at the cancer but it's an emotion so you're right maria it doesn't have to be any right way for any person everyone is entitled to their emotions because they're they're their emotions and nobody can say oh you're wrong to feel like that or you shouldn't feel because um so it's like a pressure cooker so you keep all the emotions in and then it's kind of like you lift the lid and it goes so it's almost like I say to people, if you can kind of let those emotions out, and of course, I'm going to say that because I'm a counsellor, so I talk and we talk and not everybody does that. But it's kind of like, just don't let the pressure cooker get too big and it just goes off. A little bit at a time. And I guess for, you know, for some, for some people it's talking, for some people it's going for a walk or release a wee bit of that pressure. For some people it might be reading the book, like you say, it's, it's finding that thing that just takes the edge off for you. And also with uh, regards to family and friends, now they're the people we go to most when we want support, yeah. aren't they? But there's a bit of a, it's this, there's a lot of um, tension around that from people because, so our patients, they, they often say, you know, you said it before, burden, they don't want to burden them with, with what's going on. But then equally, we hear from the families that, you know, they have worries and they, but they don't want to ask too many questions of the patient because they don't want the patient to think that they're worrying about them. So it's a bit of a standoff situation. So where they're both yeah, wanting to help, wanting to support, wanting to offer, yeah. you know, uh, guidance and what's happening, but neither neither wants to bother the other. So in which case then there's no communication. And I think that word that you've just said, um, communication, and I, and I say this all the time: communicate, communicate, communicate as much as you can. Because how can your friends and family help and support you if you're not saying how you feel and you don't need to tell them exactly how you're feeling but actually talking to the other side the family say to me we feel completely helpless we don't know what to do we can't help and they would so love for you to go you know and I'm sure you get this diagnosis and it's like I've, I can't eat another lasagna because our neighbours are bringing around lasagnas and that kind of thing but it might not be that. It could just be like a really simple thing of just having a friend there that you can sit and have a cry with. And it's okay. But like you've just said, the burden and um, the trying to protect, that we all do it, don't we? You kind of, like, oh, I don't want to you know, tell my husband because I'm trying to protect him. But the husband is like, but actually talk to me because at least I know um, and, I, and I can help you and I can support you through this. So the we all the, so the basics I know that we tell a lot of our patients are to look after the things like eating, yeah. sleeping, exercising. Uh-huh. So they're like the three um, gatekeepers, I guess, of of of, of well being, aren't they? Mm-hmm. How important is that, Danny, to to look at that for yourself? I think it's hugely important, Maria. And as a society, we tend not to because we're all like I said earlier, you know, got our foot on the pedal. We're all, you know busy with work and got so much going on in our lives that we forget to to look after ourselves because we're busy with the kids or with lives or husbands or, or work or whatever. So I think it's about just taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture um, and just taking a bit of time out for yourself. And like you said earlier, I think just allowing yourself to do it and not feel guilty. So many people say to me, oh yeah, but I feel guilty and you know, I, I could be doing this or I could be doing that and that's great, but that's for other people. 
And so many people, when I talk to them, it's kind of like, what have you done for yourself? I'm guilty of it. Look, we're all guilty of it, aren't we? Um, but it's kind of going, okay, the bigger picture. If I don't do this today, and I say this all the time, you know, if you don't do that today, if you don't put the dishwasher on or do that extra load of washing or wash the car, whatever it is, is the sky going to turn purple? Absolutely not. Is the world going to end? Absolutely not. It's putting it into perspective, I think. And, and what, what would be the one piece of advice you would give a, so if, if a patient was sitting in front of you now and the, the one piece of advice that you could give them, what, what would that be? I think the biggest thing I would say, and you've probably heard this from oncologists, consultants, CNSs, all of us in the Fountain Centre, and it's quite cheesy, but it's true, is take one day at a time. Getting that diagnosis is huge and overwhelming. You feel completely out of control, but it's about, um, it is just about taking one day at a time. And there's this um, there's this fantastic saying from the book, and I bought a few, do you remember? The, um, the fox, the mole, and yes. yeah, and I yes. can't remember exactly yes. what it's called. And I won't get this quote exactly right, but it's something along the lines of, um, the boy says to the, to the horse, let's say, um, they're walking through the forest and he can't see Ray far in front of him. And uh, I think the horse says to the boy, but can you see the next step ahead? And he can. What I'm trying to say is instead of looking at the bigger picture and looking too far ahead, look at the next step. And that is from that wonderful book that I love that's in my bathroom. And we have it actually in the Fountain Centre Library as well. We do, yes. Oh, yes, okay. yes. Yeah. So just one step at a time. Yeah. One step at a time, absolutely. Because that's where we're, we're all guilty, thinking too far ahead, and as you say. So, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely. Okay, Danny, so thank you so much. Um, I hope you've uh, we've shared a few a few tips there about mental health and looking after yourself. If you have anything you want to add or if you have any questions, please do feel free to drop us an email to the Fountain Centre or give us a call. We will be doing some future podcasts in our Living With uh, series. So please, if there's anything you would like to cover, maybe you want to contribute as a, as a patient or a carer, please do get in touch with us. Thank you very much and we'll see you next time.